baby girl or baby dragon. The correct identification of species precedes choice of correct training methods. I think it took my mom just nine months to begin asking herself the question, have I birthed a baby girl or a baby dragon? Apparently, sometime in September of 1936, at age nine months, I began running. Up until that time, I had been content to crawl and pull myself up on the furniture. But once I found my feet, walking was no longer an option. Running from one adventure to another was my preferred means of transportation. At this time, I also decided that it would be good to take off my clothes, climb out of my crib, wrap myself in my blanket, and wedge myself into the crack at the bottom of my bedroom door. Way more often than he liked, in the early evening hours, Dad was forced to put up the ladder, climb through my window, get my clothes back on, and put me to bed. I'm sure there was a fair amount of swearing going on under his breath. I must have thought I was being left out of the fun downstairs. Who knows? Here are some additional examples of what put my mother on the couch with migraines and gave my dad a legitimate excuse to drop by the pub on his way home. At 18 months, my mother discovered me three-quarters of the way up a ladder that led to the roof where my father was attempting to repair some shingles. Terrified I would fall if she called my name, she started silently to climb after me. The only thing giving her courage was the knowledge that she had made my bib overalls and had double-stitched the straps. Grabbing me by those straps, she managed to get my uncooperative little body back to solid ground. I can only imagine what Dad had to say about that adventure. At two and a half, I was swearing at my dolly for refusing to put her rubber fingers into the crocheted lacy sweater Mom had knitted for her. Imitating my dad's colorful language to scold her was a lot of fun. The words were so short. I could shout, Dolly, get your damned hand in that sleeve. And I sounded just as grown up as Daddy. Mom, however, was not impressed. Said Dolly remained uncooperative, so I made my way outdoors to the sandbox where I began playing with Milt's rusted-out dump truck. It could still be coerced into dumping dirt, if one used enough determination. Apparently, my nose was too close to the truck bed and my determination too great. The bed responded to my touch very quickly and hit me right in the bridge of the nose. Bleeding and screaming, my mom cleaned me up and comforted me in the rocking chair. All seemed well until the next day when I developed an infection and a temperature that sent mom to Dr. Graham for help. Three days passed with a temperature running as high as 106 degrees and a prognosis that drove my mother to tears. Dr. Graham said if I lived, I might very well be mentally retarded. Fortunately, he didn't give up on his patients easily. After a number of long-distance phone calls, not an easy thing to do then, he called my mother and told her that he had found a new drug called Sulfa. It was not available in Aberdeen, but he had it on an airplane and it was being flown from New York to the West Coast. He would bring it out as soon as it arrived. I still wonder what kind of an airplane that was. The year was 1935, 1935, 1938. 
Obviously, the drug worked. I'm here doing this podcast, aren't I? But the story doesn't end there. A few weeks later, a child, myself, who'd had little, if any, religious training other than a bedtime prayer and stories of Christmas, was telling her mom how she'd been to heaven and played with baby Jesus. His mom, Mary, had held them both on her lap and told wonderful stories. Now, I refuse to give any interpretation to that childish tale. I'm just telling you what happened after what seems now something near a a near-death experience. Not long after that incident, I began to give my family a true picture of who I really was. I threatened to throw my mother in the attic with the trap mouse for some perceived wrong she had done. Next, I hid in a corner behind the big rocker where I fell asleep for three hours and forced my mother to confess my absence to my dad, who started swearing again at this woman who could not control her toddler. About 36 months of age, I decided I wanted to play my brother's violin, which he had stored safely in the highest kitchen cupboard, or so he thought. Pushing a chair over to the drop-down ironing board one quiet afternoon, I figured out that I could open that door, drop the ironing board from the wall, climb up on it, walk to the end, jump over to the kitchen counter, open that cupboard door, and climb just high enough to drag the violin into my outstretched arms. So I did, much to the complete disbelief of both mother and brother who found me in the kitchen, tapping my foot while attempting to become the youngest violin virtuoso in the world. My best friend at age four helped me empty an entire bottle of mom's favorite perfume in about 30 minutes. I don't know why we hadn't figured out that the smell alone would tell our parents we'd been up to no good. At Christmas, I failed to recognize nightgowns, a gift from my dad. My mother had only bought me pajamas. I thought the nightgowns were formals for the fireman's ball that was coming up and that I would get to go. My dad started swearing again, who the hell only puts their daughters in pajamas? I learned to read and after some perceived ill treatment, threatened to leave home. I packed a suitcase with all my clothes and tissue paper. The only reason I stayed? Milt informed me that our setter, Princess Pat, belonged to Dad, and I couldn't take her with me. Well, that didn't sound too good. Besides, it was winter, it was getting quite dark, and Grandma, who spoiled me rotten, lived at least three miles from our house. Without the dog, I gave up that adventure. It wasn't long after that, however, that Dad removed the 15-foot-tall pole with the rope attached where the older kids played Skin the Cat, a a game that called for swinging on the rope as high and as far away from the pole and hopefully around it if you could manage it. Apparently, I'd been discovered suspended in air once too often. Before my fifth year was over, I had managed to knock out my first baby tooth at my brother's parent-teacher conference meeting gotten a thrush infection from the drinking fountain, and had had an absolute screaming and total fit over the most foul-tasting medicine that could ever be given to any child. Throwing her hands in the air at my refusal to be cooperative, Mom went to the couch with a migraine, and I redeemed myself by holding her hand and singing to her as I rocked my way to freedom in my brother's outgrown rocking chair. With absolutely no concern, I considered the possibility of losing all my teeth before their time. 
My only claim to fame during those first five years was making the Associated Press by having my picture taken with our Irish setter, Princess Pat. It seems birthing 12 puppies in one litter was an exceptional event in 1938 and warranted the press of the entire United States. My best memories of those first years included riding the handlebars on Milt's bike, my hair flying in the breeze as we sped down Forsyth Street Hill. I felt invincible. The year he sold enough Saturday Evening Post to win me a Sonia Haney doll for Christmas, I knew I was loved. On days when Dad had to care for us, he always made Campbell's tomato soup with cream and butter and oyster crackers. It was by far my favorite meal ever, and I still love it today. And I still remember how protected I felt, and I still see my dad in the kitchen. Sonia Haney sits in my bedroom to remind me of how much I love my big brother. And my mom, she let me get naked and bathe me in the wash tubs just outside the back door. The mud flowed off of my little body and ran down the drain. They were the best baths ever. I felt naughty in a very nice way. By the time I reached five, Mom knew she had a dragon in her house that was disguised as a little girl and that the little girl dragon definitely needed taming. So began her search for the appropriate support group for herself and a school that would admit a five-year-old who had taught herself to read. She had to get me out of the house. Her sanity demanded it. Stay tuned for further developments.